We began a conversation last week for the season of Lent. Lent is the season that runs uh, for uh, five or six weeks before Holy Week and, and runs up until the, the time of Easter. And the, the idea of Lent, um, sometimes we think about it's a time when we give something up or, or uh, we, we look sad and mopey all the time. But the, the, the real idea of Lent is to, is to spend some time in sober repentance. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean being sad, although it may involve being sad. What it really has to do with is the idea of rethinking, rethinking what we believe about God and about ourselves and about the relationship that God wants to have with us. So that is the purpose of the, the season of Lent. And this year, for our Lenten conversation, what we're looking at is the Ten Commandments, or specifically, we're focusing on one commandment, the the commandment to not bear false witness. And we're, we're using that as a way of kind of, um, if we can understand it better, then we can apply that same type of thinking to all the other commandments. So uh, rather than try and squeeze them all in, we're looking at one in some detail. And we began last week by by looking at the the this um, commandment to not bear false witness. To, we, we looked at it in a courtroom type context. Do not actually give bad testimony, false testimony with the purpose of getting someone in trouble. And that was where we began the conversation, the very narrow uh, legal context of this commandment. But the question we're looking at today is, is what about outside the courtroom? Uh, yes, I understand. I shouldn't lie in a courtroom, but... Um, my guess is that's not where most lies take place. Uh, most of the time, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time in courtrooms, but my guess is uh, that there's at least a thousand lies told outside courtrooms uh, for everyone told inside courtrooms. Maybe, maybe that's too low. Maybe it's a million to one, but it's a, I, I'm guessing it's a large number that, it, that happen outside the courtroom. So that's what we're looking at now is, is what about lies that take place outside the courtroom? And the question is, is it okay to lie? Is it, is it, okay to lie so long as you're not in a courtroom? Is it okay to tell certain kinds of lies or or to uh, tell the truth in such a way that it hurts people in in a context outside of a courtroom? And, and if so, what are the circumstances where we can do those sorts of things? When When may we lie? And we know that there are at least some circumstances when we may because we see that in the scriptures. We see it particularly in the Hebrew scriptures. There's a couple of great examples. In the book of Exodus, there's the story about how Pharaoh has gotten anxious about his Hebrew slaves. There's a lot of Hebrew slaves and he says, I need to, uh, I need to regain my authority over them. And the best way of doing that will be to engage in this practice of genocide. So he gives orders that whenever a male Hebrew slave is born, a, a male Hebrew slave is born, they are to uh, to drown the baby at birth. And there are two midwives who do not obey the, the, the Pharaoh. And, and uh, when Pharaoh asks them why why haven't you been obeying my my dictate? They lie to him. They say, "Oh, we got there too late. The baby was born by the time we are by by the time we arrived. The baby was already born." So they just flat out lie to Pharaoh. There's another case from the book of Joshua where the the Hebrews have left Egypt now and they are coming into the Holy Land and they are scouting out the territory. And two spies get trapped in the the city of Jericho, 
And the, the king of Jericho is looking for them because he's heard that there are spies and he confronts Rahab because he knows that they've been in Rahab's house. And he says, what happened to the spies? And she's sheltering, sheltering them. And she lies to the king. She says, she says, I didn't know where they were from and I don't know where they went. And so she flatly lies to the king there. And again, both of these people are, or uh, both the midwives and Rahab are commended. In the scriptures, so we know that at least under some circumstances, it is okay to lie, um, even though lying to a king is about as close as you can get to lying in a courtroom context. So, so we know at least under some circumstances, you may tell the falsehoods, um, but but what are this, those circumstances? You know, Pharaoh's gone, um, the the Jericho has fallen. So the question is for us: what? How does this affect us? Is this something we need to be concerned about? Or was it just those people back in the olden days? So, so when can you lie? Under what circumstances can you lie? In the, the uh, fifth century, there was a theologian in northern Africa named Augustine of Hippo. And he said, uh, he, he, he actually wrote the book on lying. He literally wrote a book all about lying. And in it, he goes into great detail and he explains that there are eight different categories of lie. That, that uh, if you examine all the different ways people lie, there's eight broad categories of lying. And he says they're all sinful. And in the 13th century, another famous theologian named Thomas Aquinas commented on that book. And in it, he said, he said, yes. It is sinful to lie, but not all sins are equal. Some sins are more forgivable than other sins. In some cases, it would be a worse sin not to lie than to lie. And give, giving those examples from the, the midwives and so forth as, as examples of places where it is more forgivable to, to sin by lying than to sin by turning over the babies or by obeying the, um, uh, obeying the Pharaoh's command. So, at least under certain circumstances, we know that uh, that we can lie, um, not because it is a good thing, but because it's less bad. But that still leaves us the question: Well, what are those circumstances? Is it is it wrong to to tell a, a harmless lie, a, a white lie? Is is that a wrong thing to do? You know, if if your husband or your wife, your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, if they ask you, what do you think of this outfit? Do you have to tell the truth? Or can you say, honey, you look fabulous? That's, that's the sort of question. I mean, it, 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 assuming, assuming we really don't care for the outfit, are, are, are we, I mean, if we're lying, is that okay? Can we do that? Is it, is it okay to lie under those circumstances? Or maybe to make it something a little more, um, uh, uh, Concerning or maybe more justifiable. Suppose you're in an airplane with, with your child or your grandchild and, uh, terrorists seize control of the airplane and your, your, your child that you're traveling with says, says, is it going to be okay? Should you tell them all about 9-11? Or should you say, of course it's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out, honey. Should, should you, should you tell a white lie? What about it, maybe a more realistic scenario would be if those masks flop down from the, the ceiling of the airplane and, you know, you put yours on before assisting the people around you, but, but then you, you're asked the same question, is it going to be okay? Should you tell them about the miracle on the Hudson or should you tell them why it was considered to be a miracle? What should you do? Is it okay to tell a white lie? What about when when you want to say something that's the truth but 
you know it's hurtful. Let, let me let me give a concrete example. In 2010, there was a young man who was entering college. He was it was his first year, and he and his roommate were just getting to know each other, and uh, the roommate secretly recorded him having a homosexual encounter with another man. And then he posted it to social media. Was that wrong? The, the, you, you may say, well, it was the truth. It, it was, it wasn't like the roommate was making anything up. But this young man, Tyler Clementi, was so, uh, was driven so much to despair by what had happened, uh, that he, he ended his life. He jumped off the George Washington Bridge. Was it, was it wrong? Even though it was true, is that, is that a wrong thing to do? Is it, is it always wrong to reveal, uh, private matters like that? Well, before you answer, what about Harvey Weinstein? Everybody, or, I mean, I, I couldn't account for everybody, but we've, we've all heard stories from actors who said they didn't know what was going on, that they weren't aware how, how bad the problem was with Harvey Weinstein. So, so was he, was uh, was it wrong for those actresses to come forward and say this this private matter occurred um but but it needs to be publicized where where is the boundary what what distinguishes something that is truly a private matter from something that's a public matter where, how do you how do you even find that boundary in the um the 16th century the the great protestant reformer martin luther he said that when you're aware of something that's wrongdoing you should go to the authorities. You should tell the authorities. But he said a lot of times people wouldn't go to the authorities because they didn't think that they could make the case that that the the there wasn't sufficient evidence and, and their testimony wouldn't be enough to convict the person. And so what they did is they they got around that by just bad mouthing them on the sly. So so was Martin Luther right? What what would Martin Luther say about the Me Too movement? What 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 about when there's a great disparity of power? What can you go to the authorities then? So, so there's a lot of real world questions that, that come out of the, 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 the basic idea of is it okay to tell the truth when it will hurt people or to tell a lie when it won't hurt people? What do we believe about lying? What does the ninth commandment teach us about these things? Well, um, one of the, one of the great things about being a Christian is that we are included in a conversation that goes back 30, 30 centuries and more where people are wrestling with this. And every couple of centuries, somebody comes along who is truly brilliant, someone like Augustine or, or Aquinas or um, Luther, who, who has important thoughts that need to be considered as we evaluate these questions. And by being a Christian, we are included in that conversation. But it's an academic conversation. And unfortunately, it, it can be awfully discouraging to be part of that conversation because we realize that for 30 centuries, for 30 centuries and then some, people have been doing these things. They've been, they've been telling lies to hurt people and they've been telling truth to hurt people. And you realize that this is something that people have been doing for a long time and it makes us aware that when we, when we make these decisions, when we decide what we're going to do in a particular circumstance, that we are part of this great conversation. Whether we read the, the, the intellectual giants or not, we're still part of that conversation because of what we're doing. And, and that raises the question for us, what should we do? What should we do in a particular circumstance? Not, not some academic conversation, but in the real world, when the plane is going down, when Pharaoh comes to us and says, why didn't you drown the babies? What should we do then? 
What do we do in the real world? What, what do we do that, that we can live with ourselves? Uh, that, that, that we, we can look ourselves in the mirror. We can, we can sleep at night. What, what can we do that we won't feel bad that this is the one thing that our grandchildren or our great grandchildren will remember about us? And they'll tell this story about the time when we, when we really did something terrible. What do we do? How do we, how do we do what's right in these circumstances? Well, the good news is we don't have to, we don't have to study those greats. We can, we can cut to the chase by starting in the same place they did. We can go to the, the pages of the New Testament and see what it teaches us. And what we see there is that there is a question that we can find in the New Testament that, that brings everything into clarity. Because instead of, instead of debating, is this a white lie or is this, is this, is this a harmful lie? Is this in a courtroom context or is it the next best thing to a courtroom? We don't, we don't have to deal with all the, the special cases and the edge conditions and things like that. We can, we can go to the, the basic question that, um, is this, which is, what does love require? Instead of asking, is this a lie or what kind of lie is this? Is somebody going to get hurt by this? We can simply ask the question, what does love require of us? When, when, when we ask that question, we almost always know the answer. And sometimes we don't like the answer. Anybody who's ever been awakened by a baby in the middle of the night and they know what love requires, but they'd really like to get some sleep. Anyone who's been in that situation knows what love requires. And it may not be the thing we want, but we know what it is. And in the same way, we may not like what Pharaoh will do to us. If we, if we, if Pharaoh decides we're lying, we may not like what Pharaoh does to us. He may hurt us. He may even kill us. But unless he does, until he does, we can sleep at night. We can look ourselves in the mirror. We don't have to be afraid of our legacy. We don't have to be afraid of what people will say when we're gone. I mean, look what we're saying today about the, the midwives. 3,000 years later, we're still remembering the, Pharaoh, the, the, the midwives who stood up to Pharaoh, who did the right thing and lied about it. So this question, what does love require of us? is a simple question that cuts through all the clutter and the, the special conditions. It's, it's a basic question, and we almost always know the answer to it. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're not sure. And when we do, we can go where Aquinas and Augustine and Luther went. We can go to the New Testament, and we can let it interrogate us. It, we, can, we can ask it to bring us clarity, to help us to understand what our motives really are. And so finally, I want to close this message by actually looking at our reading. But before before I do, I'd like you to picture something concrete. Uh, don't, don't just make this an abstract, uh, an abstract reading. Make it something where you can say, in the particular circumstance I'm thinking, what does this tell me? And, and maybe, maybe you have to, nothing comes to mind and all you can think of is Rahab and the, the spies or, uh, the midwives and Pharaoh. But if possible, think of somebody else. Think of some concrete situation. Think of Tyler Clementi. Think of Harvey Weinstein. Think of somebody you like or somebody you don't like. Think of Donald Trump or Nancy Pelosi. Think of 
that person that you frequent, that the, the algorithm keeps feeding you their pages on social media, and you find there's almost always something there you'd like to share on your own page. Think about think about a real concrete situation. Think about the gossip who phones you. You see the call the the call uh, caller ID, and you know this is going to be a really juicy gossip session. Or think about think about the um, the the in law or the neighbor who's got a secret and they don't know you know the secret. Think about a concrete situation. Have that in mind. And hear these words from the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Romans. Here's what he says. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the Spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble. And devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people. And welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy. And cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, Live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, revenge belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals of fire upon his head. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. That's a short reading. I read it slowly, much more slowly than I would if I were reading it to myself. And it still took less than two minutes. In those circumstances, when we're not sure what love requires, when we're looking at the the Facebook post and we're trying to decide what does love require? When we're, we're watching the news and we're thinking about the situation that they, they mentioned, when we're talking on the phone, when we get the text message, when we're sending the text message, we can take a moment, we can take less than two minutes, and we can let ourselves be interrogated by the Apostle Paul. What is our motivation? What are we really trying to accomplish? And just to be honest with that and say, Is that, in fact, what love requires? Because the the question about the the ninth commandment is, isn't, are you in a courtroom or not? It's not what kind of lie this is. Is it it a harmless lie or is it a harmful lie? It's not even, is it a lie or is it the truth? The question about the ninth commandment, and really all the commandments, is what does love require? What does love? love require. 
Let's pray. Loving and holy God, as your word teaches us, we often use our words to harm other people, sometimes by by telling falsehoods and sometimes by revealing secrets. Lord, help us instead of following our natural desires to get even or to uh, get a leg up. Lord, help us to ask ourselves, why are we doing the thing we're doing? What is our real motivation, really? And then to ask, what does love require? Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you will speak to us in each of these situations, when we, when, when it's obvious what love requires, and especially when it's a complicated situation and we aren't sure. Help us to take the time, the, the two minutes, to be interrogated by the New Testament and actually find out what does love require. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.